Thanks for reading that, Glenn. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, it's already been introduced. I'm Wayne, if you don't know me, and I'm privileged to be one of the ministry workers that you send out uh, to be uh, at Newcastle Uni, helping students to continue to know him and to know him. Something I didn't mention before uh, was uh, with the focus ministry. You might think it's a bit strange, you know, uh, international students, well, they haven't been coming in for the last two years. What are you doing? Uh, well, I won't be twiddling my thumbs. Hopefully, we'll be, uh, there'll be more returning, and as they return, our focus will be rebooting in a huge way, and we're just trying to engage them uh, the best way possible um, and help them to know Christ and return with the gospel message wherever they go. Anyways, well, uh, today I'm honoured uh, to be able to open up the Bible uh, with you uh, to explore something I've become quite passionate about uh, recently and in this year, something uh, I've become passionate about more recently from exploring with students at our regional end-of-year conference. And if you read our newsletters, you would have heard about it. It's called NTE. And at NTE, we run something called Strands. Each year, the students return and, uh, and, they, talk, and they learn about a different aspect of how to interpret the Bible. And this year, we looked at uh, the resurrection. Well, to help you appreciate the significance of what I'm about to talk to you about, uh, let's reflect a little bit uh, about what a lot of you guys or what a lot of people around might be feeling right now. Well, maybe take this moment just to ask yourself, how are you feeling right now at the start of 2022? Well, if you think about last year, 2021, well, it was a bit of a nightmare year uh, of a lot of disappointments of COVID hanging around like a bad stain. Well, I don't know about you, um, but I know about me. It's the ninth day of the year, and I already feel exhausted. I already feel tired. I mean, let's not talk about getting into this year. I'm not even done recuperating from the last one. Uh, and the rest I was able to have over Christmas, it was good, but, but it actually just served to remind me how tired I really was. Are you feeling exhausted too? Well, last week, me and Caitlin's family went up to the Upper Allen region of the Barrington Tops National Park to a lovely swimming hole called Ladies Well. You may have heard of it. It looks like this. Um, and as I sat there trying to relax by, on the bank of the river, uh, I noticed something. I noticed that the river is a little bit like our lives. Our lives are like a river flowing down the side of a mountain. So in some spots you'll see that it's relatively calm and quiet as the water moves slowly and gently by. Uh, but just around the bend, there's a waterfall waiting. And the, and the water was, that was calm just a few meters up the river, well now it's a, suddenly a part of a, a fast flowing tongue of turbulent water smashing on rocks below. Well life's like that, isn't it? It's like a river that ebbs and flows. We're never given too long to rest before we're stirred up again uh, with no peace. Well, that's how uh, life feels like in 2022. So one moment we're to told that there's a roadmap out of lockdown. Uh, then the next we're told there's a new variant of COVID and it's not likely to go away anytime soon. 
so in 2022. Even the little reprieves we look forward to, like seeing family over Christmas or going away on a holiday, well, they just aren't as carefree as we'd like them to be anymore. With the threat of COVID around every corner. In fact, even in your own house. Well, when will all of life's craziness, when will it end? When will we finally be able to rest? When will we finally be able to rest? Well, I tell you what, there's a rest that we should be looking for, and it's far greater than any holiday. Holidays are great, but this is far greater. It's far greater than a change of scenery, even greater than the eradication of COVID and all its variants. The rest we should be looking for, and, and the reason we long for this rest is because we look forward to the greater rest that is coming. The rest that God himself teaches us about in the Bible. The resurrection. That's what I want to talk about to you today. The resurrection. It's the main event in human history. The resurrection is the main event in human history and something we should look forward to. The resurrection of Jesus and all who trust in him is the main event in human history. So, if you want to get the most out of life and truly relish and enjoy what it has to offer, well, you want to be a part of the resurrection. The resurrection is the true rest that we yearn for. But you might ask, well, why is this the case? Well, it's because there's a fundamental problem with uh, the life that we live, with human beings and creation. The Bible teaches us that the world that we live in, well, it's been corrupted. It's been corrupted, interrupted, in fact, not just by COVID, but by sin and death, which COVID is a part of. And the reason for that is this. The reason for that is that, is that we've ruined God's perfect creation. We ruined God's perfect creation. So we were a part of a creation, God's perfect creation, but we ruined everything. God actually made us to be eternal beings, a part of his perfect, eternal creation. Hard to imagine, but just, just imagine that for a second. That's how it was meant to be. But we did something. We sinned and ruined everything for all mankind, and we brought death into the world. So where do we see this in the Bible? Well, we see this unfold in our first passage, Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. If you, if you want to turn there, it's also on the screen. And it says this. The Lord God said, uh, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So what we see happening here by Genesis 3 is that we see that God has just made creation. Uh, God has made creation, the world and the universe very good. And the first humans, Adam and Eve, they're made to obey God. 
Not only that, mankind is made unique. They're made distinguished and esteemed in God's creation. The only creatures, in fact, that are made in God's image. And to rule over all other living creatures. But they're given, a, given commands that God requires them to obey, to maintain this order of perfection, if you like, in order to keep God's creation orderly and in harmony with what God wants of his creation. Uh, these include being fruitful, increasing in number, filling the earth, ruling over uh, and subduing all other creatures. And to that, God adds one very specific command. The command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or they'll die. You could say that last command is a test to see if man uh, will trust God. And that's actually crucial in God maintaining this perfect order. Man is to trust God and obey him and listen to him. Yet man, he breaks this last command by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Uh, and now have to die as a consequence for their sin. But not only that, now they're limited in their ability to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, uh, subdue all the creatures of the earth, because they'll die. They need to hand over this task to the next generation now. Well, mankind has ruined the creation in a huge way by creating disharmony in the world where disharmony, well, it simply didn't exist so here in Genesis 3, we see that God is punishing mankind for their sin and rebellion against God. God says he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So free access to the tree of life or eternal life is taken from them. God designed man to have eternal life and to, with him in, in his very good creation but man sinned and rebelled against God by dishonoring his command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man took authority or his own fate into his own hands. But in a sense, there's nothing wrong with that because human beings are, are meant to be choosing and acting beings. There's nothing wrong with that. But this choice, it was a bad idea. So God introduces death though not immediate left, death, which they deserve upon mankind. And now also creation that mankind lives in and rules over, it also is subject to death. And not only did mankind sin just that once, as we'll see in, our, in, in the world we live in and in our own lives, uh, despite giving, being given moral consciousness from eating the tr from the tree and being like God, or mankind is still repeatedly and continually choosing to sin against God uh, in many other ways as well. Mankind has ruined God's perfect creation. Well, what does God do? Does God let creation rot away in its sin like it deserves? Well, astonishingly, no. That's the kind of God we're dealing with. God has a plan to fix the mess we've made of humanity and the world. The resurrection is God's plan to repair this creation. The resurrection is God's plan to repair this creation. 
We see Paul talk about this in Romans 8, 18 to 25. Uh, if you'll turn there with me. So Romans 8, 18 to 25. What does it say? It says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, but not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay. It brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait, patient, wait for it patiently. So what's Paul talking about here? Well, Paul is talking about our present sufferings. Picking up from what began in Genesis 3:22, the suffering of sin and death and our limited ability to do what God made us to do in the world. Paul calls this the present sufferings. Notice, present it's not eternal. But Paul tells us that uh, there's a reality that drowns out this painful existence that we live in now. Of death and sickness and suffering. Paul talks about the difference that the gospel makes in this tragic reality we live in. Of constant death and dissatisfaction. Paul says that the present sufferings, well, they're nothing, is what he says compared to the future things that Christians look forward to, the glory that is to be revealed. Because there will be a resurrection, a renewal of all things, a time when God will fix the damage that mankind has done to God's perfect creation, which is tied up with the revealing of God's children. The children of God, which it calls, in this, uh, which it calls it that in this passage. Uh, Paul tells us that the whole creation is looking forward to this, the revealing of the children of God. So remember earlier I said all creation was plunged into death and decay because of mankind's sin. And, well, sin, well, that happens because mankind is its representative ruler under God. Well, now, these, the children of God are the first people of the human race who will be freed from sin and death. So sin and death happened to mankind first, and now, and now uh, resurrection happens to mankind first too. Some of them at least. And they're made new by being given new, redeemed, fixed bodies that are no longer subject to death and decay. Bodies that no longer die because of the curse of mankind's sin. And once mankind is repaired of sin and death, then so also will be creation. It'll be freed from death and decay. And that's what it looks forward to, we're told in this passage. Well, that might sound fanciful and might fa sound far-fetched, but you know what? That has already begun. It snuck in there 
uh, while you didn't notice. This resurrection has begun by the first fruit. The first sign that shows us that it's all starting to happen. And what is that sign? What is that proof? Well, it's Jesus and his resurrection. Jesus coming back to life is a sign that this is all going to happen. He's proof that the resurrection is happening and it's possible. We'll take this example from life. So it's like a plant, uh, so it's like when you plant flowers or, or crops in your garden and the buds start to appear. That exciting moment. Uh, at the moment, I've just planted some sunflowers in my garden. Uh, no flower buds yet. Uh, they're only young, saplings. But when they do, I'll know that I'll soon be having lots of sunflowers all over my garden. Well, that's the hope anyways. <laughs> uh, well, I know my sunflowers, they don't do the resurrection justice. Uh, but uh, Jesus rising from the dead. Now that's something. And that shows us what is coming. It's the hope of all mankind. It gives all of us hope. It's our only hope for returning to how God made creation to be. So here Paul shows us what the point of Christianity is. And the point is the hope of a future which isn't dying, futile and dissatisfying. Well, what does this mean? Well, if you trust Jesus to pay for sin and undo its consequences through his death and resurrection, then we look forward to an escape from this unsatisfying existence in the world. We have all seen how life and the world we live in is full of suffering and it's going nowhere because of sin. I mean, like, we'd like to think it's going somewhere, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's not. But if you truly trust in Jesus to pay for sins and to raise all who trust in him, uh, then this is, as some have said, I, I can't remember the quote for this, but if you can tell me after, that'd be helpful. Uh, if this, this existence we live in that's frustrating, well, it's as bad as life's going to get if we trust in the resurrection. In other words, it's only going to get better. But there's a sad news to this good news. And that is, if you don't trust Christ and his resurrection, then sadly this frustrating existence is as good as life gets. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. This is it. But how can we be part of the resurrection? Well, belief in Jesus' resurrection is the only way to reserve a place in the resurrection. Belief in Jesus' resurrection is the only way to reserve a place in the resurrection. So where we see this is uh, in, see this spelt out, is in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 26. If you'll turn there, this is our last passage. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 26. And it says this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn. Christ, the first fruit, then uh, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So here Paul talks about the importance of Christ's resurrection on our faith. Paul argues that if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then our belief in him is useless. It's a waste of time. Since that will also mean that we won't be raised from the dead either. Here Paul highlights the importance of the resurrection to the gospel and to the fate of the whole world. Without it, the gospel it doesn't actually offer any hope. Without the resurrection, the world is doomed to die and continue being broken and dissatisfied. Then Paul goes on to show how the resurrection perfectly fixes our world and brings us hope. He shows us this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. He says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. We actually have a hope. For since Christ's death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So here Paul explains how uh, Adam uh, brought sin and death into the world by one action. Adam brought sin into the world through one action. So now also Jesus, who is called the new Adam in Hebrews, comes and fixes sin through one action. By dying to pay for all sin. So the one act which brought death to mankind committed by Adam is undone by one act of Jesus to pay for all sins on the cross and rise again. Then Paul goes on in verse 23 to talk about how uh, those who belong to him, those who trust in God to raise the dead and trust in Jesus to pay for sins, well, they'll be raised later in the same way that Jesus was raised to life. Perfect and forever and in humanly form, bodily form. That's what we look forward to, isn't it? And then finally, death will be defeated and removed from God's perfect creation once and for all. So Jesus' resurrection and trust in him, well, it's the only way to be a part of this resurrection. It's the hope of all mankind, but only available to those who believe and align their lives according to it. That is Jesus and his teaching. Jesus is the only tangible solution to sin and its consequences. The solution is not going to Mars or uploading our consciousness to a supercomputer. That won't fix anything. Uh, Jesus is the proven cure for death. And it's effective. It's not imaginary. It's proven to be effective in curing death in Jesus. This is what all the fuss about Christianity is all about. 
It's about the resurrection and eternal life with God. The implications of this one thing are enormous. So if you don't understand that the resurrection is actually going to happen and do what you can to be a part of it, well, it's a little bit like going to Christmas dinner with your family and leaving before eating dinner. You've missed the whole point. We've prepared all this food and you've left. Life is about the resurrection. It's the best thing happening in human history. And it's the only way to be and the only way to be a part of it is through trusting in Jesus. It's not something you want to miss out on or take lightly. Well, in light of this, uh, how should that change the way that we live? Well, we're not to ignore what Jesus is doing in the world. God is calling all people uh, to be a part of this resurrection. Let it be in the forefront of your brain. We should be talking about it regularly. We should be celebrating it and hanging our hopes on it. It's what our hopes should be hung on. Not other things. Consider the credibility of God's plan in Jesus. It just makes so much sense. And it resonates to who we are and the way the world is. It's dying and we're all yearning for something more. Consider what would be lost if you don't trust in Jesus. Or you miss out on the main event in human history. The defeat of death itself. But you know what, in saying this, the Bible tells us that we will be a part of the resurrection in two different ways. So the two possible positions we'll find ourselves in, in the resurrection, is, is this. Well, first, the first one is the one we want, resurrected to live forever with God because of our sins are paid for in Jesus because we trust him. That's what we want. We want to be welcomed into God's kingdom. But there's also another one, another way that we can be resurrected at the resurrection. That is risen to be judged and destroyed by God for our rebellion and rejection of him. Unfortunately, that's the way most people will be resurrected. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to do what we can to change that. We need to tell people of the hope of humanity, Jesus the res- his resurrection and ours if we trust in him. That's what life's all about. Well, let's just return to the question I asked at the beginning. Uh, you know, when I said, when will we finally be able to rest? Well, the resurrection is the rest that we all yearn for and we want deep down. The resurrection is the main event in human history. And God wants anyone who's willing to be a part of it. So this year, let's be people who are obsessed with Jesus' resurrection. Let's look forward to that and offer whoever we can the hope that it gives to mankind. Well, how about I pray about, about that, that we would do that this year uh, would you please uh, join me?
Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the hope that you offer mankind. And we're sorry for the times where we've uh, dismissed it and the world who dismiss it as nothing. But Lord, I pray that this year uh, that we would wake up and listen to what you've been teaching us in the last two years, that this is not forever, uh, that something's wrong with creation. And Lord, I pray that we would, uh, it would resonate with us, that we'd be convinced this year that the resurrection and the gospel is the hope that we want the hope that people need. And Lord, may it fill us with joy and so much so that we might share it with those we know, that they might be a part of the resurrection too um, and be risen up in glory to be with Jesus. Yeah, we ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.